Hey guys, I hope your spring hunts are going as well as they possibly could be. Um, before I get into this episode, I just wanted to make, it's, it's kind of like a disclaimer in a way. Um, I don't know how necessary it is, but it is kind of centered around the discussion of scoring antlers. And in this episode, John Gabriel and I, uh, we reference the score of a bull quite often. And I know some people get a little bit bent out of shape about that, but I, I think that it's important. Uh, I know it's important to me and it's, I know it's important to John that we come at this from the angle of when we're talking about the score of this particular elk, uh, specifically the one he killed in Wyoming last year, uh, that you're going to hear uh, the the freaking crazy good story about how it went down. Um, this is a monster bull. It's a public land monster bull uh, that that John was able to able to kill last year. But we wanted to just kind of reference that, or or I guess use the word reference when we're talking score on this animal. We are using it as a reference point. It doesn't mean that John or myself or like big time trophy hunter. Well, you guys know I'm not a trophy hunter. <laughs> I'll shoot a damn spike. But um, in in this circumstance, uh, we're, we're using the scoring system as a as a reference to give people kind of an understanding because this is you know it's an audio only podcast and so sometimes we bring up score as a reference point to, to tell you, you know, there's a big difference between a 250 bull versus a 350 bull versus a 400 bull. And, and that j- just kind of gives us a guide as to help highlight the, the significance of the bull itself. Um, the significance of the hunt, the, the adventure that it was, uh, and it by no means takes away from the, the, the fact that w- it's not like we are, we are talking about wanting to get the highest scoring bowl or the, you know, best antlers kind of thing. That's, that's not the story here. And, and that's not the takeaway here. I, I think this is just important to get across, uh, from the sense that we are strictly using it for reference. And obviously John is a, a proficient enough hunter that he is, um, able to, pursue the most mature animal he can and and i think that we all want to get to that level and that's why we have these discussions and john is a great person to have on the show to help many of us get to that kind of level and and john john he's gotten there he's he's gotten to that level he's an excellent hunter Uh, he's a great mentor he's a great friend um and he's just somebody that I, i think a lot of us can look up to and learn a lot from um, and, and not get hung up on the fact that, uh, you know, we, we talk about the score a lot. Now, to some of you, if you do refer to the score of antlers and stuff like that, I don't disparage you for that. I'm not throwing rocks at that either. It's just not our thing. And so I just, again, wanted to get across that the, the usage of the, the, the term, the, the, or I'm sorry, the scoring of these antlers that we're talking about this particular bull is strictly for a reference. It's an audio podcast. It helps you guys get an understanding of how magnificent this hunt and this bull elk was. And uh, congrats to John. Enjoy this episode, guys. Let's, uh, let's get into it. You guys are going to like this one with my buddy, John Gabriel. Here we go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here... We provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Town Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Uh, really excited about this episode because uh, I've got somebody on the line here that I'm going to introduce in just a second that uh, I really admire and uh, really look up to as a hunter, and I think uh, you guys are going to get a lot out of it. So uh, before I get there, I just wanted to make a quick correction from last week's School of September episode with uh, the Elk Nut Palma Dale. Um And the reason I'm clarify- clarifying it because... It sounds like I'm throwing my buddy Dirk under the bus or something. Um, we were talking about the um, way that when you're calling elk sounding authentic versus doing like those cookie cutter calls, uh, you, you know, and I and, and what what I was trying to explain was how Dirk describes it when he hears like a almost a Doug Flutie sound out in the woods. Um, it goes doodle doo doodle doo. And instead, it came out like I was, it made it sound like Dirk calls like that. And I just wanted to make that correction because I feel really stupid uh, saying it like that because Dirk's one of the like most authentic callers I've ever uh, met in my life. So, uh, Dirk Durham, if you're listening, dude, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to make it sound like that. Uh, again, he was just describing... Um, yeah, you know how how he describes it when he hears that in the woods, and I think that's an important conversation. We might get into some of that in this episode, by the way. So, uh, hopefully, that fixes that. With that said, this week I've got my friend John Gabriel, uh, who is one of the founders of the Elk Collective, which you guys hear me talk about quite often. Uh, he is a prolific whitetail slayer, uh, an amazing elk hunter. Uh, just all around great outdoorsman, and uh, he's got a great company that, in fact, um, John is who put our logo together here at the Western Huntsman uh, and and made it look, made it pop like the way it should, because I don't know what I'm doing with that kind of stuff. So, John, I appreciate you being here, dude. Thanks uh, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, and thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure to uh, jump on your podcast here and talk hunting and everything else under the sky. So, I uh, always enjoy having conversations with you, regardless if we're on the podcast or just on a phone call or not. It's always a good time. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. So, and uh, oh, go ahead. Let's talk about Dirk for a second. I, you know, I've list, I've been around that guy in the woods and several hunts, and I mean, it's when it comes to to calling elk. There, I've never heard anyone that sounds more like a realistic bull than mm-hmm. Dirk, especially if he's behind you, you know, 40, 50 yards where you can't see him. It sounds like a true bull coming through the woods. Now he does have his goofy moments where, you know, he decides to make a call that might sound like his old buddy, Doug Flutie over there, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, his cousin, more, his cousin, his cousin, <laughs> Doug. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it sounds just messing around, but like, I'll be honest. I, if I had someone, you know, that I was like trying to mimic their calls, I'd be listening and watching every one of Dirk's videos. Yeah. I think that it's uh, about as real as it gets, especially his grunts and chuckles and everything else. I mean, they're so hard to beat. I know his grunts and chuckles are like out of this world. I, I've never heard anybody be able to mimic that. Um, and I've heard people talk about, oh, the best caller is so-and-so. Oh, no, the best caller is so-and-so. No, have you heard Dirk? And that's why I feel like crap, man, because I, y- you've listened to Paul Medell, right? Um, yep. The Elk Nut. You know how excited and passionate he gets? He just gets so fired up, it gets me fired up. And so, 
I, I just screwed it up because I, I, I'm like, oh yeah, no, Dirk does it like this. And, and I did the noise or whatever, but uh, it was just, it was just simply, no, it, Dirk explains a cookie cutter call like that. And he's right. There's a lot of people that go out there and they make the same call over and over and over again. And they wonder why the elk don't fall for it and find them, you know, authentic. But there's, there's a few people out there that, you know, I could usually tell if it's another hunter, like 99% of the time, it's, it is tough to call me in. Um, but Dirk would call me in in a heartbeat, dude. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've been there and heard it myself. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you would definitely have a hard time distinguishing a bowl between Dirk across a Canyon. If they were side by side, the only thing that might be uh, a telltale sign is just, you know, a real bowl just has a little bit deeper sound and it's, I, it just, it's hard to replicate that out of any bugle too. Like, yeah. I don't, I mean, Dirk sounds so good and close, but a real big bowl just has a little bit of a deeper sound sometimes, but that's, that's about it. But I will say, mm-hmm. I mean, Dirk would probably be a better cow caller and everything else all around if he'd used Charlie Smith's purple signature call. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just saying uh, we have a little uh, rivalry rivalry with that. Uh, I always give him a bad time. I, that I, I know all about Charlie's, it, man. I, I yeah, know Charlie's purple call. Yeah, man. I, I, I've tried to get Charlie to come on the show to, to d- defend himself, but I think he's like super shy or something. He won't come on. Yeah. He gets a little, uh, little gun shy around people. He, he doesn't like crowds. He's, he's yeah. kind of one of those, introverts that even if even if we were on a phone call right now charlie would be scared of the phone like he he just does not like talking to people he'd rather sit in his corner and you know eat cookies and yep. call it's it a scary day, you know yeah it's scary that the big the big world out there the purple the purple reed will bring him comfort um it would it just has that warm and fuzzy kind of feeling to it and so yeah i think you're right i think you're right so um (laughs) dude last time we talked you lived uh you lived down in utah now you're in montana how's how's that going yeah i mean man it's it's been a a whirlwind i'll say like over the last wow what's it been eight months here i guess we actually made our first trip up here last year um in march and started looking around so we've actually been kind of at it for a year and then sold the house in utah and all that before the wedding and then everything else so the other half wasn't super thrilled with that moving out of our house two weeks before our wedding but um it is what it is we, we're still together we made it we didn't kill each other so that's a plus that is um, a plus but being in montana it's always been kind of a dream of mine and hers as well. Um, and I mean, I don't know, there's so much to do here. If you're an outdoorsman and you love anything or woman outdoors, woman, and you love anything with the outdoors, fishing, hiking, just scenery, hunting, doesn't matter. Like there's something to do every single day. And I mean, coming from the city, we lived 25 minutes South of Salt Lake there in the city. And it was just, total city life, busy all the time, cars going by, you know, just no real escape from everyday life. And then coming to Montana now, living in small town, you know, right at the base of the Elkhorn Mountains. And it's like watching all winter, you know, two, 300 head of elk winter behind the house, big bulls wintering. I mean, you just wake up in the morning, have your coffee and look out the window and life's rough, you know? Yeah, I know, man. So, I love it. In Montana, <laughs> I Montana is only second to Idaho. I mean, we all know that. Oh, really? Did you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's first. For all you Californians listening, Montana is so much better than Idaho. I can't even begin 
to uh, nope. tell you. I, it's funny what, what you said, uh, you know, living in the city in Utah there. Um, cause I remember where you said you used to live and like back in the day, the, back in the eighties, that was out in the country back then, but that the Valley has it, the Salt Lake Valley has just exploded, man. It's just continuous from like Ogden all the way down to like Payson, the whole yep. from, you know, those Northern counties all the way down to the, the South end of uh, Utah County. Is just all developed now. It's so nuts. Where you know what really surprised me, and and a lot of listeners won't know what I'm talking about, but the west side of Utah Lake down there in Utah County. Yep. Um, I used to go out there and hunt coyotes and rabbits and all sorts of deer, uh, pheasant, whatever out there, and now it's all subdivision. It's nuts. I couldn't yeah. believe it the last time I saw it. It's it's insane. I mean, even though even since we've been gone now, uh, you know, since well June, I guess really, so ten months, I guess, and. Uh, just in that little bit of time, Kylie flew down there last weekend to go see her family for Easter. And it was her little uh, niece's two-year-old birthday. And uh, so anyways, she went down. They went and went to the area where we used to live. Right down the road from where our house was, there's a brand new Costco right down the road. And there was already one like 10 minutes away from the house. And they just built another one. And then a whole big shopping complex that kind of like one of those little ones with – 30, 40 stores that gets put in with like a Nike and, you know, oh, man, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. Ross and like all those like kind of shopping outlets and mm-hmm. literally just right down the road from where our house was. And I mean, just, and that's all in eight months. I mean, they kind of started building it and doing some of the earthwork when we were leaving, but she said that they literally have all the buildings up and like all the stores and restaurants in and everything within eight, 10 months. And I'm, I mean, it's God. hard to believe, but yeah, she's she's like I'm glad that we moved because she said she's like just being there like gave her anxiety of just like how many new new people and more cars were just rolling around. Yeah, anxiety so, is a good way to put it. Like yeah. that whole valley was not made initially for that many people, so it's just constant traffic. It's it's people talk about like Seattle traffic or or uh, you know Portland or, or California or, or whatever. But, I mean, they haven't been to Salt Lake and driven through, you know, like I-15 <laughs> at 5 o'clock. It's nuts. Yeah. 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 I mean, coming from Washington, like I drove to Seattle traffic and south into Auburn and Kent and Bonnie Lake and all that a lot. And it was a disaster. I mean, at 5 o'clock when people were coming home, especially in the winter when it's raining because it's weird. Everyone grows up in the rain over there. So you think everyone would have a good grasp on driving in the rain, mm-hmm. but it's where every day it rains, everyone forgets how to drive and it just would make a mess. Wrecks everywhere. People pulled over on the side of the road. It is what it is, but the roads there, the road systems were so just horribly designed to handle any sort of traffic. Yeah. The flow coming from Seattle South, you go to Salt Lake. The one thing I will give them, at least they have five or six lane highways and they're all parallel. And then they'll have another three or four laner, like, you know, uh banger or all that, that runs from yep, the airport yep. South paralleling I-15. So at least you have multiple freeways to handle the traffic, but there's still so many people that it gets backed up. It's a way better work traffic flow than Seattle, but it's still like, it's, a, it's a mess. Cause yeah. there's just too many people there. Yeah. It's just all but, gridlocked. Yeah. Do you know yep. how many speeding tickets I got on that legacy highway up going north out of Salt Lake? Because they, oh. it's like this this freeway they made, 
and they but they made it so that like the speed limit back and this is I don't I don't know what what it is now but back then it was 55 no matter what where the you know freeway was like 70. <laughs> yep. So I think it was like the Layton I'd like to give it a shout out I believe it was the Layton Police Department that gave me I don't know four or five speeding tickets my insurance went up <laughs> quite a bit. But <laughs> how how do you compare you've been through Montana winter how does that compare to Utah winter? Yeah, so I was kind of surprised. I really thought that being in Montana this year, like we were just going to get pummeled with snow and cold weather and, you know, everything else from Utah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we never had one storm snow depth-wise that compared to a couple that we got when we were in Utah. Oh, really? And Yeah, when we were down there, I mean, we had a couple of storms that were – I think we had one that was like 16 inches one night that dumped in the yard. and. Mm. It really came down, but here we've not had one storm yet that actually dumped that much snow. Now, oh, wow. I will say, come over to my place, buddy. Yeah, I know that because <laughs> like if you go north or south of us a little bit, uh-huh. like they get more snow. We're kind of in this weird spot outside of Townsend where the snow dumps on the backside by Clancy and Helena mm-hmm. or Jefferson City, like all that. And then it dumps on the west side of the Elkhorns. When it pops over the top to us, it's already dumped. But then it builds up across Canyon Ferry Lake, and then they'll dump again on the big belts on the other side. So we are in this weird, like, 10-mile stretch that literally gets zero precipitation hardly, and it's sunny, like, every day. And so it's the weirdest thing. We just happen to pick here – well, we picked here, you know, for numerous reasons, my dad and sister and everything else. But Mm – it and we didn't want to live in Bozeman, but it it we just got lucky with the way that the snow falls. We have had a few sto- storms where it will dump. It does get cold and it gets a little windy here because you are on the east side of the, the mountain range. So I mean the wind does whip through here a little bit. Oh, wow. But I'm I'm okay with that. It, I mean as far as you know not having two feet of snow in the yard all year long. Now our yeah, neighbor says yeah. it has happened, and I'm sure you know this year. Like I said, we were just behind on snowpack. So it was an odd year. And, but then you look at like Northwest Montana and I, my buddy, John Davis lives up in Libby and I think they had one storm. They got like 22 inches up there. And so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it kind of just depends. You, did you get that? Yeah. That yeah. Wait, so that, that Libby storm that he's talking about was just after new year's Eve. Uh, yep. And we, we got like, we, I, I want to say I clocked it at 28 inches on my property. Jeez. And we already had two and a half feet on the ground. And so that snow, it was, I measure, I have this stick that I put on the ground and I kind of measured it out every foot and all the inches in between or whatever. It looks like a measuring tape, but on a stick, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was over four feet for over two months. Um, wow. And it was, it was nuts. And it sucks too, because this dude that lives down the road from me, um, he's like, oh yeah, no, we're in a great area because, you know, we get this lake effect off of Ponderay Lake that kind of pushes the snow or um, the clouds against the mountains. And so it misses this little valley I'm in, uh, for the most part. But apparently that didn't hold true this last year. Cause we got absolutely hammered. It was nuts all winter. <laughs> so huh. yeah, but well, yeah, you could have seen some this way, but yeah, I mean, as far as from being in Utah to Montana, um, you know, I think the only thing is it definitely got a little colder during the winter here. We had a couple of days that were in the negative 20s, like 20, negative 27, I think, one day. Oh, dang. And yeah, we don't get yeah, that cold. Yeah, so it got a little chilly. And then 
we had numerous days where it'd be like negative one to negative six, seven degrees, but we'd have like a 30 mile an hour wind. So it felt really cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall though, I like it way better than Utah. There's just, it's just a calmer pace of life, you know? And mm-hmm. so just working every day, even it's weird. It's just a mindset. Cause obviously I work from home and it's like the mindset of looking out the window and just seeing cars and people cruise by all day long makes you feel kind of like amped up. Like you're kind of like, Hey, we're in the city. Things are fast paced. Yeah, you gotta go, yeah, it's go, anxiety. go. Yeah. And then it's like being here and looking out the window and my neighbor has 150 horses in his pasture. And so it's like, you just see all these horses out there grazing around all day. And it's just a weird, like you just feel calm and it's yeah. like you're working yep. and it's easy to focus on work. Cause you don't have distractions of a car screeching by out front or something. And you know, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's a better work environment. And like, I would say health environment for just general overall living. Um, and then going to town too, to do your grocery shop and everything else. That's the weirdest thing. You can go into a Winco in Helena uh-huh. and, on a Saturday and there's literally nobody in there. I mean, you can like do all your grocery shop and walk up and you might see 10, 15 people and you're out. And then you can drive around all of Helena, like on a Saturday afternoon and never really have any backups, any stoplights, like anything. You just go in, do your thing, drive around. And it's weird because in Salt Lake, there were so many people that you had to wait forever at every stoplight to go. Oh yeah, I know it took, everything when when i was in salt lake i i just kind of had the mindset everything no matter if it was a mile or 10 miles away was a half an hour drive it it was just that's how bad it was um i I, a question on that so so you left left the city now you're in kind of rural montana um what is that app that people get in the city where they deliver food what is that called again oh grub grubby or something uh, yeah, they Uber, have like Uber Eats, and then they have um, Grubhub. Oh, what's it's Grubhub? Is it Grubhub? I think that's yeah. the one we had. Um, okay. Do you have that where you're living? Honestly, I haven't looked, but I'm gonna say no. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't we don't have that. I I, I do kind of miss that from living down in Hayden, Idaho, versus where we're at now. Um, it, it yeah. was kind of nice to jump on that and be like, ah, we don't feel like cooking. Uh, we, we don't have that option anymore. So, um, anyway, I think the general kind of, you know, point that we're getting out of this is for out of staters moving to these areas, because you have grizzly bears too, that are probably a pretty dangerous situation like we do. Oh, yeah. Um, the best thing for people to do coming from some of these big cities out of state, specifically California or Seattle or something is to move to Boise. Um, because yep. I know Dirk is looking for some new neighbors based on something he posted recently. Uh, I know there's some real estate <laughs> deals kind of probably on his street. Yep. Um, you know, so come on over. Dirk, come Dirk on was over. definitely saying that he needed some new neighbors. He does. He, he was, he was after that and he just, I think he wanted someone just to like watch TV on a Friday night and just sit there and like play card games and, and look at elk bugles together or something. Yeah. And but he, he, I, I know he's dying to have somebody call the cops on his barking dogs, but uh, the more purple hair you have, the better. Come on over Dirk. I'll, I'll uh, have, I'll give you Dirk's address so you can kind of hone in on that real estate area because it's a great investment. hundred percent. I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to send me hate mail. Oh yeah, he will. Yeah. He, he, he'll be all over it. Yeah. I mean, 
real quick, it's like, you know, anyone that's, there's so many people that are moving here from out of state. And, you know, we've heard a lot of people say, like, if you can make the first winter, they'll stay. And it's, or, you know, if they don't, like they're going somewhere else. Yeah. And it's so true though, because we've actually seen a lot of people that have like moved here and just don't hack it because it is too cold or, oh, I don't want to go outside or this or that, you know? And so you really got to love the outdoors and love what you do here and, and, put up with it and just dress for it and go enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you got to take advantage of it for sure. Yeah. It's, it's going to be miserable, but Cause it's there half was your a, life. It is. Ha- yeah. Half your life. And so there's, there was a guy here. Oh, a couple weeks back, three, four weeks ago, uh, that got killed by a grizz shed hunting. I right. know, dude, I heard yeah. about that. Uh, yeah. In fact, we've talked about it on one of my recent episodes that, and wasn't that down by Bozeman or was that in your neck of the woods? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was just south of Bozeman down there. Yeah, but actually, I think it was south of Livingston, if I remember right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that we there's that one. There was uh, I can't remember what it was last year, but they, that lady got killed north of us. Mm-hmm. And then they closed off one of the Montana hunting units because of all the grizzly bear issues. Uh, in that one, I don't remember the name of the area. It was like a creek that they they kept naming. Uh, was that? Tall Miner Basin area down there. I, I think that's where all the grizz were. Yeah, I can't remember, but they they flat closed hunting down in that season because there there was like a bunch of encounters. Somebody was injured, and and then they closed it down, and and um, it, it's just a mess. The grizzly bear thing's a mess, man. We just yeah. had one where where I'm at uh, about about 40 minutes north of me here up by Bonner's Ferry. Uh, this grizz comes out of the, the cabinet mountains and is has been killing livestock. And I still don't think they've trapped him, but I, I think he's only been down and uh, killed twice. But um, still, I, I mean, it's uh, again, I don't want to get on this soapbox because I do get on this a lot. But I mean, a, a, a simple, not wildly huge hunting season would do a it would go a long ways at at putting a little bit of fear into a grizzly bear to make them avoid us a little bit more like they do in Alaska and British Columbia um, right and and so these these uh these pro you know grizzly bear advocate groups and and these folks that don't really have any reality on the situation you know they don't have the skin in the game where where you know they they have the potential to be killed by these things and so that they just don't understand it it's not like they 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 see things so black and white you know it's either either you love grizzly bears and never want them hunted or you hate grizzly bears and want all of them annihilated they never see the in between where most hunters are we don't want to annihilate grizzly bears we just want a robust enough hunting season to make them a little bit more fearful of humans than they are now it's just like wolves you know it, yep. it doesn't have to be love them or destroy their entire species there is in between there's gray area and we need to grow up with this shit and and you know get a program in place so so these people some guy he, he's a father goes out to shed hunt and and happens upon a grizzly bear that doesn't even hesitate to come at him it, it's just it's a behavioral thing that has been proven uh, specifically through uh, the studies with black bears that the hunting seasons are what keeps these bears at bay and they will avoid you they, they will run instead of attacking you um not every single time any see john i i get on one thing and i start going crazy but I, I, that stuff makes me think, so mad. Me too. I think it's a good thing to talk about, though, just for the fact that exactly that. If you 
are out there and hunting, if you shoot at a grizz, he's going to be like, oh, wow. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. the big bad predator anymore. Something can kill me. I better start paying attention. Doesn't even have to be that you killed him, but you just put a little fear in them, just like deer and elk. I mean, they start getting shot at like they're running off, you know. And so if you did that to a grizz, they're going to just wise up a little bit. And, you know, one big thing, you know, it's like in certain parts of Montana here, Wyoming, other areas, they hear a gunshot go off and it's like a dinner bell. Oh, they're just like, totally. Oh, yep. We're eating dinner. And so they just come right over and they know what that is. And but if you were the one if they were getting shot at and heard that noise and they got shot at it would change their whole perspective on this whole thing. And, you know, they would just act different or they'd be a little fearful. Exactly. And, and the proof behind the pudding with that there, there's two ways to prove that because when like, like we, I live in an area where it is, I had one biologist tell me we have about four bears per square mile here, which is a lot. That's a, that's a huge density. Uh, and, And so when, when I shoot a deer, I'm not worried about black bears coming in because we have a very healthy hunting season against black bears. And and black bears, I, I get it. They're just generally by nature. They are a little bit different. They're not as aggressive. Uh, they're not as territorial. I, I get it. But they're still a bear. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, my buddy Dan and Cody was just telling me, like, when you shoot an elk or a deer or something, when they hear that rifle shot, you have a very limited time to get to that animal, break it down, and get the hell out of there. And you better have somebody with you that is always watching while you're doing the gutting and gilling on the animal. Um, yep. And and that, yeah, you know, another another example, John, is down in uh, down in Coeur Idaho. There's this little, uh, like, uh, there, there's a small town, just one of the suburbs of Coeur d'Alene. It's called Dalton Gardens. And they've got um, these whitetail that run around the neighborhood that never get hunted because they're within city limits and you could damn near walk up and put a saddle on these things and ride around town they're they're so (laughs) adjusted to humans and and they don't have any reason to fear them versus the deer that live on my property uh and, and the surrounding area where i'm at now they know very well to avoid human interaction and and get away from humans because and that's the difference and that 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 same concept would apply to grizzly bears yep 100 percent i mean i love seeing them like when i had my wyoming elk tag last year i mean i'm driving down the highway and here's a couple cars stop pull over look here's a big old grizz out in there rolling rocks in this lake mm-hmm. and it was cool like i loved seeing that bear just in nature just to see that bear out doing bear things yeah and yeah. don't even care to kill it it was just hey that is cool that's nature respect it though and of course i was hunting in a super heavily grizzly populated area so i was a little fearful of that but it overall just seeing that one bear right there rolling rocks looking for fish whatever else he was after it was super cool just to see that mm-hmm. and to me it, it, it's like one of those things if, if you just had a little bit of a threat to them of hunting you know or something any sort of bear around there they would get a little more fearful of what what's going on and that's all i think we could ask for i know i shot my bull and the whole time i was on that hunt i was just my head was on swivel everywhere i walked every tree i went by everything i mean i'm looking just waiting for a fat grizz to pop out Mm -hmm. and 
my buddy Ron Nizalek that I went down there and I spent a couple of days with him hunting around before my hunt started. Oh, you hunted with and, Ron? Yeah. Oh, no yep. kidding, man. He's been on the yeah. show before. Oh yeah. He's such a good guy. Like I love Ron. He's, he's Jeez. just, just as pure as they come. Yeah. Salt of the earth, man. And actually Dirk is, is the one that uh, introduced me. And in fact, I just mentioned him on the last episode. Um, so anyway, yeah, cool, man. I didn't yeah. know you hunted with Ron. Yeah. So I went down and hunted with him for a couple of days on archery and then looked around some of that area. Cause my rifle tag opened in the same spot. And, uh, so we were hunting around and he took me into this Canyon and we hike way up in there. It's just he and I, and, uh, he starts telling me of the week before that he didn't want to go back in there because he got charged by this grizz with his nephew. Mm. And he said it was just one of the biggest, nastiest grizz that he's seen in a while. And the thing literally ran right at him. They had their spray out and they were ready to start spraying. And it's at like 10 yards. And it all of a sudden it just hooked and went right by him and didn't, for some reason, didn't come at him. It just like, yeah, was coming at I, th- him. I think he told that story on the show, man. I, okay. I think, yeah. yeah. And it hooked. Yeah. So this, yeah, yeah. this is kind of funny. So we're up there. He's telling me this story. The wind starts blowing and it's like making these creaking noises coming through these trees. And it was super eerie. Well, he's like, Oh, just rip off a bugle. There's always bulls up in this Canyon. I said, okay, sounds good. So I bugle nothing. Cow call a few times, nothing. He's like, let's wait a couple minutes. We'll bugle again. So I bugle again, nothing. And he's like, man, this is the first time I've been in here. And there's like no elk in here. And he's like, I did see a bunch of wolves in here the other day across the canyon. So maybe they ran them out. So he's, we waited a while, did some calling, didn't ever see anything. There's a couple wallows and they were just tore apart. So there had been some elk there. We take off down out of there and we go down through this reprod patch and Ron's got me leading and it gets dark and we're walking through this patch. Of course, I've never been there. And so it's like one of those uncharted territories Uh and I'm just bombing through there with my headlamp making sure Ron's behind me and his back was kind of giving him fits and we're kind of by the back to the truck almost maybe a couple hundred yards and there's a dip and there's a little Creek that runs through there. And, uh, I pop down in this dip and I pop up out the other side of the dip and it's, it's about four feet deep. And so all my head, you know, when I'm in the dip, I kind of can see the ground ahead of me on the other side. And, my headlamp hits and I see two eyes level with me looking at me in the dark. First thing I do, I'm like bear and just grab my gun and you know, like to defend myself. Cause I like, it's pitch black and I, it's like 10 yards and I'm like bear and Ron had, we just had this conversation. He's like, you don't know how you're going to react until you actually have an encounter with a bear. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting here, say bear, and he hears my safety golf, you know, on the gun and everything. Cause I'm just like, you know, you don't know preparing myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And so he's just like, Hey, he's like, all of a sudden Ron goes, it's a cow. And I literally oh. just started like laughing and, you know, but it was kind of one of those things that I didn't know, but he had shined his headlamp past it and seeing the other eyes and realized that they were cattle but it was a pitch. It was so dark and these two eyes were like level with me that I couldn't see. And he was up on the hill behind me where he could see everything. And so it caught me off guard. But Ron's like the one thing I was impressed with was how you didn't freak out and you just reacted with, you know, here Action. we go. Like, yeah, we're just, yeah, just going to deal with it. Well, didn't really think much about it. 
so when I, he ended up, we spent a couple more days and then he went home and, uh, then I had my elk hunt started that killed my bull on day four and we get down to the elk. We're taking care of the elk and we'd seen grizzly tracks all over and we were kind of like, well, yeah, we better be careful, you know? And so we're, we're cutting the elk up. All of a sudden this dude pops out of the woods and he came down, he heard the shooting and seen that we killed the bull and he came down to go come check it out. And is uh, this, is this the elk on the river? Yeah. Okay. The one on the river. Okay. Yep. Okay. okay. And so this dude pops out of the woods and he's like, Hey, he's like, congratulations. And starts talking to us for a second. And he was like, Hey, did you see that sow and two cubs? And we're like, no, where? And he's like, well, they're right here in the trees behind you guys. And he's like, there's fresh tracks like right there. And they're just sitting in the trees waiting for you guys to get done with your elk. Oh, here geez. we are taking pictures, everything with my big bowl and enjoying the moment. Granted, we didn't think around too long, but like we were, you know, just making sure we got good pictures and uh, start cutting the thing up. We got all the quarters off and we had literally were like shuttling we're like we need to get this meat out of here and just shuttle it down the river to get away from the carcass Uh and then this happens well ron had sent uh adrian and luke to come and help us pack so they happened to show up right at the time that this happened so it was like perfect timing yeah we literally loaded everything in our packs as fast as we could and just grabbed our shit and just waited the river and like didn't even didn't even care. Like we we went the opposite direction, just waited the river to get away from it. And I I mean, literally, you talk about one of those moments that could have been really ugly. If that sow would have came out and here we are right there, because we were right on the edge of a bunch of thick, nasty brush that I mean, dude, you wouldn't have seen her pop out until she was five feet from you. Yeah. And uh it would not have been a good situation. And so here we are the whole time already on edge no clue and then this guy tells us there's a sow and two cubs right in there behind us and i was just like nuts dude yeah what saved you with that is is probably your rifle shot because that was a rifle hunt right yeah yep so so she knew you were there before you knew she was there had that been vice versa that could have been super ugly um but i i tell you one thing because i i want to talk about that elk uh by the way don't let me forget um yep the the i don't know see now i just threw myself off by saying that but um that's the 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 crazy thing oh that's what it was the i I was gonna make fun of you for getting scared by cows yeah uh but here's what here's the thing man um cows have scared the shit out of me in the backcountry before uh and so i can't make fun of you I, i can't give you a hard time about it yeah, <laughs> I felt like I felt like a pansy for a second. Oh no, dude! It was... I, I I came around a tree one time and there was there was this big moo cow standing there, and it was just the the shock of this cow all of a sudden. I fell on my butt and then I rolled down into this ditch thing, this big kind of like gully, uh, and it, this was in Utah. <laughs> and so so Jeez. don't feel don't feel like a candy ass man. I I mean I wasn't even in grizzly country. It was just like oh man, there's a cow. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, it's pretty funny when that. It does surprise me the ranchers graze those cattle in in grizzly country. You'd think that they must like. I wonder if they have like a uh, like a quota or something that they know. Okay, ten percent of my cows are gonna get taken out by grizzlies or something. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I don't. To be honest with you, I, I think I even asked Ron that, and he said that there's a few each year that'll get killed by bears. And I know one morning, actually, it was the morning. 
that I killed, maybe my bull, we were glassing across this canyon and I spotted a carcass laying over there and we didn't see a bear on it, but there was like eagles all over the place and crows and stuff landing on this carcass. I think a bear had already got it, but I'm not so sure that it wasn't a cow or like a beef cow uh-huh. because it was, it was just big. Like it didn't look, I don't know if it, it could have been an elk that somebody killed, but it was, it was a big carcass. And so I'm not sure that some, some sort of cattle form animal didn't get whacked by something, but, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. So, I, but I think I did ask Ron that question about the cattle getting eaten up there and he didn't, I can't remember what he said to be honest with you, but it, I want to say that he did say that there was some, you know, here and there that do get taken out, but how, how couldn't they? I mean, it's I, like, I mean, there's got, nowhere else for them, right? They've, yeah. they've got you. Yeah, they're going to get eaten. I'm actually on your Instagram. I'm trying to find that picture of that bull, your bull that you're talking about right on the river. Uh, and oh, I can't, I can't find it. Ten images down or so. I don't know. I see. I see. There's Dirk. Uh, it's somewhere right around There's there. There's Jason. I, I don't see it. What the hell? Oh, there it is. So talk to us about, uh, for, for those of you guys listening, so if if you don't know any if you don't follow Jason or I'm looking at a picture of Jason on your <laughs> Jason Phelps um, on your Instagram if you're not following John uh, go to Instagram and go to at John Gabriel which is G A B R I O um, and and give him a follow because you got to check this bull out uh, this thing is a freaking monster man um, I want to know a little bit more about that like the process of how uh, you located him and and you know eventually got him down uh, because that thing is just a it's a wicked bull man. Yeah, he's he's super cool and so Loophold actually filmed that hunt and they'll be coming out with a full film on it. Oh, later so we don't want to give. Oh, that's right. I remember you said that we yeah. don't want to give too many uh, details we, away. We can we can talk about it, but yeah, so there will be a full film on it and you'll get to see me shoot him and everything, but. Um, yeah, so it's actually kind of a weird deal. So the day before season, uh, so I'd already been there a few days. The day before, I went up on this big spot, uh, climbed up on top of this mountain, and Ron was like, hey, go check this out. There's Sometimes there's elk in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do. Ron slept in that morning, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I got up at crack of dawn, went by myself, climb up on this mountain, and I spot and so I'm sitting here in like this big long like grassy canyon with like rocks and timber on the other side. And I'm on this big kind of open grass knob. And all of a sudden out it starts getting daylight and right under me I see this elk walk out at like four hundred yards. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm like, well, that's a decent bull. Didn't really think anything about it. Got my spotter, put it on him, was looking at him, literally didn't even think he was that big. And then he walks over and all of a sudden these cows start popping up on this next little draw. Well, he gets up and skylines himself. And then I was like, damn, that thing's bigger than I think. And then John, I don't know if if I missed it or, or when, when he skylined himself and when you first saw him, how far away did you say he was like, 400 yards, oh, like okay, 450. Okay. So yeah. Not, so he's not that far out. Okay. Yeah, no, he was way close enough. And, uh, so he skylines himself and then starts working his way over towards these cows. Well, I get a bunch of video of him phone scope at this point, 
And I'm looking at this bull and I'm like, oh, he's kind of weak on his back. Right. And, you know, and so I'm thinking, well, <laughs> I, I'm going to, and this isn't, this isn't the one that I killed. This is, this is a different bull. I wish, so, I, I wish I was a good enough hunter to be like, ah, oh, that bull, he's not, he's not big enough on that left side. <laughs> Shit, I'm going to pass it. Come on now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I know. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I've never been in that position. And yeah. so it was kind of one of those things. I've waited a long time to draw that tag. And I just was like, I didn't want, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I did the tag justice. I had a whole month to hunt and I just wanted to kill a big bull. And, uh, so I'm watching this bull start and he's with his cows and everything. And then I went back, he ended up going across this Canyon. I watched him for like two and a half hours and they crossed the Canyon, go bed in the trees, sat there till like 1130. And then I'm like, I'm going to get out of here. So I go back down, meet Ron. He's like, Oh, did you see anything? And I'm like, yeah. And I show him this video and Ron's like looking at me like I'm an idiot. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's decent. Ron's like decent. He's like, that thing's, that's a huge bull. And I'm like, yeah, he's weak on his back. Right though. And Ron's like, look how wide he is. Look how heavy he is. And all of it is the mass in his body size is throwing you off. Well, anyways, so huh. I don't know how big that bull was. You'll see it like in the video, like the footage, the scouting yeah, footage I, I have of I him. I can't wait. Yeah, but he's, I, I don't know. Like I sent it to a couple guys and they're like, he's 370-ish, maybe bigger. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, there's no way. But then you start looking like he churns in a couple of the shots and like his thirds just scoop way out. They're probably like 18, 20-inch thirds, like just giant fronts. I mean, this bull is huge. So after that, I'm thinking, okay, he's in there. I'm going to go up there opening morning. And then if he's that big, I'm whacking that sucker. And of course, then I'm sitting there all night watching that footage. And I'm just like, this bull is going to die. And so we get up there next morning, nothing. And that bull's gone. And I see like a 300, 310 inch, like six point down right below us. And of course, I don't want to shoot that after I seen this big one. Yeah, and, uh, I would have been chitty chitty bang bang on that bad boy if I was there. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that, that's the thing. I'm like looking at that bull, you know. But I just seen that big one there the yeah, night before, yeah, and I'm like, first sure. morning of the hunt, I don't want to shoot this. So I let him walk off, and uh, never end up seeing the big one. So we went, came back, sat there kind of all day. That night, went and drove around midday for a few minutes, just looking at a couple spots. Came back that evening, sat till dark, no bull. Like, I'm just going to keep coming here every day until I see that thing. So yeah. next day, nothing. And seeing that other bull and then let him walk it. I had it, He walked out 143 yards and I let that three, 300, 310 bull walk. And out of my crosshairs, dead as can be, let him go. And then that day I was like, hey, we need to go check. So day three, I was like, we need to go check a couple different spots and just see if we're churning up any other elk just in case because – I'm not sure where this big guy went, but if we stay consistent, he's going to slip and we're going to kill him. So we just happened to go for a drive and went way away from where we were at initially. And Ron had mentioned, he's like, Hey, if you want to just get a wild hair, go over here and check this out. And he kind of told me a spot to go look. So I went there and didn't see any elk and then i looked at onyx and then he'd mentioned this other spot but we never went he and i like never walked out there or like went there or anything mm -hmm. and uh so i was like well let's go check that out 
And so I'm just trying to like literally hit as many spots as I could just to, Hey, yeah, like this looks good. We need to come back and check this and not, you know, take our eyes off of these things. So we happen to walk out, sit down and there's just elk tracks everywhere down in the river. And I'm looking down there and we're on like this 800 foot rock cliff looking off there. And there's elk tracks all over the bank and all over the sandbar, like everywhere. And I'm looking at Luke and Luke's looking at me and he's like, man, there's gotta be some elk around here. Like those are pretty fresh looking. And I mean, there's like thousands of tracks Wow. and uh, we literally are talking to each other. We've been there like five minutes, turn around and look. And here's a cow and a calf step out of the trees and come out in the middle of the river to get water. And I was like, Oh, there's elk in the timber right there. And so it was kind of like one of those things like, well, okay, do we stay here till dark or do we bail? We know there's some elk here and go back up top and like hope that big bull pops out. And, uh, so we were literally trying to debate, but it was a long drive to go back around to the other spot up on top and kind of him and hawing. And we both were like, let's just sit here till dark and see what we see tonight. Well, all of a sudden we have more cows come out of the timber in the river and then I'm like, yeah, bull's going to come out any minute. Didn't see anything. And then a couple hours go by, four cows come up the middle of the river from like a mile below and walk the middle of the river all the way up. And then they start swimming laps in front of us in the river. Like this one is literally <laughs> swimming laps. And uh, it was pretty cool. So we sat there and I'm like, dude, there's so many elk in that timber right now. We're going to see something. And I text Ron on my inReach. And I was like, hey, found this other spot. I was like, there's like 16 cows down there right now, just milling around in the timber. I can see them. Ron's reply was, he's going to be big. And oh, I was yeah, like, because of the amount of cows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I guess like a lot of the elk in that area kind of break up in like different herds, like smaller, you know, there'll be like four or five cows. And then, you know, a bull, that's kind of what he'll, that he'll have is like four or five cows. And then there'll be another big bull with like four or five cows. Well, that bull that I'd seen, before opener had like 12 cows, I think that morning. And so Rom is like, that's a huge herd for in this area. So uh, John, and, John, what, what time of year was this like week one of October? Yeah, it was October 1st. Oh, okay. And okay. So I, yeah, I killed them on October 4th. That's so, okay. yeah. So they're bugling a little bit. And, uh, so all of a sudden I see like this 300 inch five point and I'm like, holy cow, like that's a big freaking five. And so I'm sitting here and then it wasn't too much longer. I see this bull in the timber and we're looking at him and Luke's filming me and I'm like, yeah, he's not that big. And he's like, what do you mean? Not that big. I was like, he's only like 320, 330. Luke's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, Ron said he was going to be big. And I'm like, I assumed with that many cows, like he's going to be big, but I didn't think, you know, I don't know when the first view I had of him was like looking in some super thick timber and he's facing away and he just tilted his head outside of this one of this tree. So I seen like his right beam and it just the angle was bad and it just didn't look that big to me. Hmm. So I didn't even I was like, well, I should get the gun and get ready. But I don't know. We'll see. And so we watched him and I'm looking through my spotter at him and all of a sudden he turns and I get a better look. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's, he's nice. And uh, then he turns and starts walking away. And at that point, he just like rounds all the cows up and shoves them off and they just like walk out way too far to shoot. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Because I could have killed him in the timber when I first seen him, yeah. but I didn't think he was that big. 
And so, of course, this whole time I'm replaying this other bowl in my mind. And I'm like, nope, nope, I'm going to kill that other one. I don't want to shoot this one. <laughs> well, then he walks out, and then it's the one I kill. And I see him, and he starts feeding. And I'm literally looking at Luke, and I'm just like, I screwed up. I'm like, that thing is giant. And so, of course, you can see, like, his whole top end is just, like, monstrous. And he's just his beams for days. He's got 55-inch main beams. And, I mean, Whoa. he's just – yeah, like they sweep way back. No. And yeah, and Shit. so I'm like sitting there looking at him, and I take a bunch of video of him and pictures of him, and it gets dark, and we go back to the truck and hike out of there, get to the truck, and I was like, we got to go get cell phone service. And Luke's like, why is that? And I was like, I got to show Ron this bowl. I'm like, I want to know how big it is. So I send the pictures to Ron, and Ron's like, holy shit he's like that's a big bull and i was like yeah he goes how big do you think his mains are and i was like dude i don't know i was like 52 to 55 like they're big 55 inches i, I don't know i've never seen a bull with that long of main beams and so ron he goes how big and i was like i don't know 370 and i, I was like he's got to be i was like he's just a cleaner bull than that other one but the other one was heavier and just that it was just a different set of horns sure so sure. We kind of talked about it. And he's like, you better kill that thing. So we go back down the next morning, of course, wake up, ass crack of dawn, take off, get down there. And then it was like daylight, no elk in sight. And I'm like, how the hell, where did they go? Like, they have to be here somewhere. And then I saw so glass and way the hell over on this other drainage. And I spot a big bull over there with a bunch of cows. And it was so far over there. Like, I'm not sure how big that bull was, but giant and then i see another bull and uh, i end up seeing like four other bulls and i'm like where did the one go that was right here last night they have to be there are they already in that timber like how do we miss them so i let out a couple bugles and it's like echoing off the rock walls up the river and all of a sudden i hear this bugle and i'm like where is that like i i can't tell because the river's ripping and you just it was throwing sounds off in the, in the rocks. Mm -hmm. And I look up river like a mile and a half and here's elk in the middle of the river. And there's other elk coming out of the freaking trees into the river. And then all of a sudden my bull walks out and he's just standing in the middle of river, like a mile and a half up river. And I was like, Holy shit, there they are. But now I'm thinking we're never going to kill this thing because we're in the wrong spot. They're a mile and a half up river. We got to go way out, up and around to even get up there. And I'm like, we're we're screwed. Like, unless they come down the river, this is not happening. And uh, all of a sudden, a couple cows start coming out, and they start working their way down through the timber, like headed towards us. And I'm like, we might have to sit here for a while, but I bet you they'll feed all the way down here, and they're going to bed in the same timber that they were the night before. Well, it was kind of one of those things, just trying to make an educated decision based on how many tracks we'd seen the night before, experience with hunting elk a lot, and just kind of like knowing that they hadn't been bumped. They're probably going to come back in here and bed in that timber and feel safe. Mm -hmm. yep. And all of a sudden, dude, we were there for like two and a half hours. And then they worked their way all the way down through that timber in a mile and a half and came out like single file and across the river. Now, the night before when I said he had like yeah. 16 cows. I'll bet that was a sight. Uh -huh. oh, yeah, it's, 16, it he had was, 16 cows. Yeah. He had like, there was like 34 the next morning. No kidding. Yeah. Like this bull had like all the freaking cows. And so he picked up a bunch overnight somewhere. 
and pops out. And I mean, there is elk going freaking everywhere. And there was two more bulls that came out. We ended up letting those go. And then this bull comes out and like follows these cows out across the river. And I almost shot him in the river. And then he was kind of quartered to me. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a good shot. So I let him cross. How far away at this point? Uh, He was like 615 at that point. Okay. And pretty good. Shot. And I'm like, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, shot. it was pretty good. But I, I had all day. We had a big rock that was a shooting bench. I had a 39 degree angle shooting downhill into the river. And but I had this rock that was literally like a full blown shooting bench at a range. And I had my sandbag set up on it, had a rock underneath the sandbag. So it was a perfect elevation. The gun was literally sitting there. All I had to do is get behind it, dial it and just pull the trigger like the gun wasn't even going to move. And so I felt super confident, 615. I'm like, oh, that thing's dead. Well, then I didn't want to shoot him. There's other cows around him. And I'm, so I let him go. They all come down and like 20 cows come out and hook around to the left, like in the middle of the river. And they're just standing there, like getting water. And then before they're all going to like go in the timber and bed, the bull comes down and he crosses into that timber. And then I'm on him. And all of a sudden he goes in the thick trees where I seen him the night before and disappears. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I just screwed this up. You know, I was like, I should have shot him because he ended up being at like 532. And I was like, I should have shot him right there before he went in the trees. And now I'm like, shit, he's going to bed down. Yeah. Maybe he'll get up today and come out for water at some point. He didn't yesterday. Maybe he's smart enough. I don't know. So I'm like, God damn, like I literally blew that. And I'm looking at Uh. Luke. And Luke's looking at me and all these 20 cows are like out in the river. And he, so there was a bunch of cows already in the trees. And that's when I'm like, crap, he's already in there with those cows. Like we're screwed. Is Luke, and, is Luke like the camera guy or from, yeah, from that, Loophole? Yeah, yeah. Luke Dusenberry. Yeah, that's the camera guy that's with me from Loophole. Oh, sweet. And yeah, so he's sitting there and he where he's looking. And all of a sudden Luke goes, he's out. He's down to the right. So I'm like on the gun looking in the trees for him, trying to find him in these trees and I can't see him. And then Luke says he's out to the right. The stupid thing, like Houdini went through the trees and popped out like 50 yards down to the right. And Mm. I don't know how I missed him. Well, all of a sudden he walks out, steps down in the river and all the cows kind of like nudge back up river a little bit and like start hooking into the trees. Cause it was kind of like, Hey, I'm rounding you up. Let's go down and bet. And so all of a sudden he starts hooking the water. Like he's wallowing in the river and he's like, whipping water around with his horns literally like he's just standing in a wallow just hooking the water and it's the coolest video ever and he's just standing there broadside i range him 458 yards and i'm like oh you're dead grab my phone got my app it was already open i already had this open because i was like ranging and checking distances i already knew what my minutes were going to be but i just wanted to double check checked it six six i'm like cool put it in the gun and he just, I was like, took a couple of deep breaths and he just, just stand there whipping his horns around and smoked him right behind the shoulder. And then he ran forward and then I shot him again, broke his back. And then I didn't want him getting into those trees because we were worried about Grizz. And yeah. I was like, dude, I, I don't want to like deal with this bull in the trees. Like I want him out on that riverbank. And uh, so then he like got up after I thought I broke his back. Like he literally hit the ground and like fell down. And I was like, then he gets up somehow. And I'm like, how did you just get up after I, I mean, you got two solid shots in you. Mm-hmm. So I shot him again. Cause I didn't want him to get, I'm like, dude, a bull that big. Like, I don't want that thing getting away. 
And then he only went like maybe 10, 15 feet and like fell over right there on the edge of the bank. And uh, (laughs) all these elk though ran out in the river and Uh they're all standing there. All the elk and they're like just standing there looking around like what the hell just happened. And they could not figure it out. And it was the coolest scene. It was almost like you're in a national geographic film elk in the middle of the river, standing around looking everywhere. And they're just like, in chaos and then they all of a sudden they all just single filed in the timber a couple of the bulls picked them up and they all just like went off down through the timber like it was like no big deal and went down river yeah like well yep chuck Chuck, he got taken out let's move on yeah exactly (laughs) so then we of course had to go back and you know figure out that was the the worst parts where i killed it because we had to figure out how to get down in the river Uh and uh and we figured that out and got down in the river. And anyways, it was a, it was a bastard packing that thing out. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. it, uh, it, yeah. So we got down there and ended up getting him and everything, but yeah, he's just the coolest bull. Like he is, he broke his third on his left and had he not broken that third, every other point on that bull, it literally is within a half inch of the same length all the way around. Even his main beams are within an eighth of an inch of the same length. He's the most perfect elk ever if he didn't break that third off. Dang. That's a huge yeah. bull. Like, it's, it's, we're talking, it's not like you're in a freaking, you know, some paid high fence area. Uh, yeah. Like, that's that's a great bull, man. I And, and I, 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 it, the story behind it, the the work it took to get him out, it's it, it just pumps me up. I, I just, I, I'm so happy and excited for you because uh, I know you put in a lot of work on that hunt. Um, and, and I can't wait. When does the film come out again? The, the loophole it'll, film? It'll be like this summer at some point. We're not sure when they're going to launch it yet, but it's, the film is good. I'm not, not going to deny that. Some of the footage we got is just so epic. Just and, the uh, landscape you're in is going to make that film work. I, I mean, the landscape alone. Yeah. And, see that, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what sells it. Yeah. It's just the, yep. that. And so is that is that going to be like on uh loophole the the youtube channel or uh yeah they're probably think they're going to launch it on youtube and do like a premiere or something they were going to do a movie night in portland with it during the the sportsman show here in february um but we didn't have it done in time and then they were worried about covid and not being able to get in a movie theater and all that crap so they yeah. didn't do it yeah they still have but, covid in portland man yeah i, I just I went there um, yeah so, so that, that, I mean, that's just uh, like spectacular. It, it really is, man. It's a spectacular bull, spectacular hunt, uh, a hell of a lot of work put into it. I, I just, I, I can't wait, like I said, to see that film and, and just kind of watch. I, it's one of those things like I, I kind of generally, because I know Wyoming well enough, I, I, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Because I know Florida well enough, I generally know where you were hunting that elk. Uh, and so, <laughs> Um, it's just epic country. And, and so yep. it's going to be, it's just going to be a fantastic film and, um, good job, man. Congrats. I don't know if I've actually formally said that. Maybe, maybe when you first posted that picture I did, but, um, <laughs> either way, congrats. I'm super excited for you. That, that's a hell of a bull, especially after, yeah, he's... after, after you had to listen to Dirk and Jason give you all that shit on that hunt in New Mexico. Oh um, yeah, that that was so rough. They gave me so much crap for shooting that bull and calling it into that water hole that day and everything else. And yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like you just take it with a grain of salt. But you know, yeah, I know. They the funny thing is, I was texting both of them 
a man reach when <laughs> this hunt was going on. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ah, and I'd sent them a th- pictures, but they were, I think they were in Montana here or somewhere else. They might've been here in Montana hunting. And uh, at the same time, and oh yeah, they were. Cause I came home and then they came and stayed at the house. So they were hunting here in Montana and I was texting them and I'm like, Hey, I've spotted this one big bull, blah, blah, blah. And I'd sent them pictures and we all got service and we were talking about it and agreed that it was big. And then when I killed that one and I, I like text them on my in reach and I'm like, Hey, I killed him. And then they were, you know, how big do you think he is? I was like, I don't know, 360. Like, you know, he's not as big as we were thinking, but I was like, he's 360. I think is what I said to dirt. And, you know, it was just cool. Cause you know, we all kind of got to share that moment. Like they were in the yeah, woods, I was yeah, in the woods, but we were still cool. able to talk to each other. And, you know, it's just like that camaraderie of, Mm -hmm. you know, the brothers type of thing, you know, and it's like, you get to feel that excitement, you know, and it's like, I was just waiting any day for them to text me saying that they killed one. And, you know, to me, like that's, you just love getting those messages or texts from your buddies, you know, it's just kind of like, hell yeah. Like you got her done and we're all, you know, good. So, yeah, I mean, my biggest win out of that whole thing was to not get eaten by a grizz or attacked by a grizz. And that was kind of my biggest fear in that whole like scenario and hearing Ron's past stories about bears and this and that. Yeah. And you know, that was like my biggest fear. And Ron asked me that before I went on that hunt. He's like, Hey, how are you with the bears? I'm like, well, they don't really bother me, but you know, I'm, you know, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be around a ton of them, but it is what it is. Like I'll just deal with it. And you know, I really want to kill a big bull and we'll make her happen. And yeah, so I kind of yeah. tuned it out and I was like, it's part of nature. I'm just going to deal with it. But if you think that every step I took and at night sleeping and everything else, like I, that's all you can think about is bears. Yeah. Like, Oh, for sure. I mean, non-stop. you think about it. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. And in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season. And then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo grain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code TheWesternHuntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the AMP lineup. For predator calls like the 3-pack POR123 or the Fawn in Distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, 
and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time for listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code the Western Huntsman for $20 off. It's normally $89, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer and the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit Boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new Women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything. Guys, check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. You know, if, if you think about, like, the ratio of people that go out into the woods in grizzly country, you, your odds of running into one are, are pretty low, right? I mean, they, they are low. However, that said, um, you know, if I had my druthers, I, I wouldn't hunt in grizzly country. The, the problem with that is there's some great elk hunting in grizzly country. 
And so it, it makes it tough. And, you know, like, like you said, I don't worry about it that much, but I'd feel a lot better if I, like when I, when I was in the Marines, I, I was a radio man for a while and I could call in an airstrike. Um, that would be more comforting to me if I had that capability while I'm hunting in Grizz country so I can like call in an airstrike um, yeah. and, and wipe them out. But other than that, they don't make me that nervous. Yep. I'm with you. <laughs> and and I, yeah. I think I've kind of got a lot more respect for the bears after being on that hunt. It was more of a, um, you know, just, Hey, it's, this is a real thing, real threat, real deal. Kylie, she gives me crap all the time because I'm, I'm honestly, I don't get scared really being in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hunt everywhere that we hunt and I don't ever pack a handgun or anything. Like I just, my oh, bow really? and like, yeah, we're going. And she's like, how are you not? I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I've never been like that scared of him. I probably should be, but I just go do my thing. And I'm like, I don't know. I've hunted black bears. I've killed one stalked them with my bow at six yards and in a berry field and freaking killed a black bear with my bow when I was like 16 years old. And I was like, <laughs> you know, Oh, I yeah. got this, you know? And I don't know. I've just never been <clears throat> that scared of bears. And, yeah. but after being on that hunt, hearing Ron's stories, there was two guys that ended up the week before I got there, shot this, uh, sow with her cubs she charged these guys. Oh, and they I shot think her. I heard about that. Yeah, they they shot her like 17 times with a 10 millimeter. Who told me and, that? With a 10 millimeter? Yeah, 10 millimeter, and they shot this sow freaking 17 times. And the worst part was, Ron's telling me this, and he's like, oh, yeah, and then I find out it's like right where I'm hunting. And so I'm like, mm. you know, I mean, granted, at least she got wiped out, but it was like not – like it was just the principle of the situation. Like there is a mean bear around here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the scary part of kind of everything that was going on. Uh, My mind is blown. A 10 millimeter took 17 shots to wipe that that, uh, grizz out. Yeah, two guys. The one guy shot it like 13 times, and the other one only shot it like four. But they. But it was slacking. Yeah, I know. I'm like, dude, that guy was, he was probably having a seizure while the bear was running uh, out. I but. think he was like too worried about ammo prices. He's like, shit, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll throw <laughs> like three or four rounds at it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. That's probably more what was going on. <laughs> but yeah, that, after that hunt though, the first thing I did was come home by a 10 millimeter. And I've literally, I'm like out practicing all the time. And like, I'm this year, I'm going to carry that thing everywhere I go. Yeah, and I'd we've recommend been out. It. Yeah, we've been out shed hunting this spring here, and I mean, I found a 340 set of sheds up here behind the house, and just every, like, we're walking around, though, and all I can think about now is, like, these grizz, Mm -hmm. and so just, I don't know, I've been packing that thing with me, and more than anything, I'm like, the more that I pack it and use it, like, I'm going to feel comfortable, especially when hunting season rolls around, and if I am in grizz country, you know, we'll call it a day. But Yeah, man, just get you a good chest holster and have that sucker ready. I... I, I, because I'm, I'm like you, man, I like black bears don't make me nervous at all. Like I, I, I don't worry about black and maybe I should, because I know like on a per capita basis, there's more black bear attacks than there are grizzly bears. But I mean, there's like, you know, a hundred times more black bears than there are grizzly bears. So it kind of makes right. sense. Right. And uh, so, but, but I don't worry about them at all, but I do, I do, I guess like the older I get too, and the more stories I hear, I, I, I worry about grizzlies. And, yep. and so, uh, and I'm only packing like a 45 ACP right now. I need to upgrade that. I'll, I'll probably go to the 10 mil, um, 
uh, this this coming season for sure because I, I know they're moving into the one of the one of the main areas I hunt. Um, we're getting more and more reports of of grizzly over there, and they're they're not you know traditionally over there. So anyway, um, you know we we've had all this talk about elk, uh, and you know that kind of what you went through with with that because you know the the trip that your elk from last year is an amazing story. Uh, and it kind of leads us to something that I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, John. Uh, it's called the Elk Collective. What do you know about that? Uh, not much. I'm, I'd have to do some research on that maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the Elk Collective, you know, um, that was actually kind of the the baby of Dirk, uh, Jason, myself, and Dan Staten, uh, mm-hmm. who owns Elk Shape. And the four of us put that together we are passionate about elk hunting. I mean, and I'll be honest, I love killing elk. I love seeing other people kill elk. It, mm-hmm. To me, I don't even care. It could, it, go shoot a whitetail. Like, I, I just love other people being successful. And I think that that was the big motivation behind building that was to help people pick up tips to just go out and be successful. I don't care what it is. If you learn one thing out of that course that you can go out and apply it to all your hunting, mule deer, elk, whatever, there's stuff in there that you could literally take and use in the field for all species, but it will seriously change the way that you elk hunt, in my opinion, if you watch all the videos. Now, yeah, the one, the one thing, it's 100% video driven, so there's no text, no anything. You literally just sit down, hit play, and learn. Did you we say, started at did you say there's no test text oh text I was gonna say yep. man you got me worried there like maybe there is a test at the end and <laughs> yeah I don't want to take a test yeah no, text. No, no, no I see it's all no video text. driven yeah 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 yep okay. and so you can literally sit down just hit play and learn so you, at least you're watching somebody sit there talk to you uh, some of the stuff is Dan's elk shaped camps so you're seeing mm-hmm. interaction between him and you know all these people that come to his camps super good information some of the videos i mean are so dialed in and specific you know dirk and jason did a really good job on the elk calling section as far as you know how to use a diaphragm how to make different elk sounds um then you know bugles cow calls what they mean then we went outside of them and the biggest thing that we tried to encompass in this course was bringing in people from all over the place. Like we wanted to have as many different people speaking. So that way, if maybe you don't like listening to Dirk, I mean, I struck like when I hear Dirk talk, it's like, you know, nails on chalkboard, but I pass out. I flat out pass out and faint. Me too. It's, it's horrible. No, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) it, it just like our thought was if you don't relate to somebody, but maybe you can listen to, Zach Bohe or Lampers or Brian Barney or an Aaron Snyder or somebody else. Mm -hmm. If you can listen, you might grasp something that they're saying. And that's what we're after is, Hey, just because like, this isn't about us. This is about a collective of people bringing you as much knowledge as we can. Plus we all have different ways that we hunt different experiences there's things that I might do that Dirk and Jason might not do or you might not do because of just the way that I've learned to hunt and things that I've picked up on over the years. Well, and same with Dirk. And 
and and here's the thing with it, John. What what? And this is coming from. So I'm an expert at learning how to elk hunt. Okay, I am not an expert elk hunter myself, but I'm an expert at learning how to elk hunt. And I think that that's an imperative thing for for because there's a lot of people out there like me. Um, you know, I don't have um, decades of notched tags. Uh, I haven't killed elk in in you know every state in in the West. I haven't. Uh, um, there's there's this like weird thing that and I don't know what it is. Well, I know what I, I know what my problem has been, but um, that's that's a, beside the point. But uh, I'm not super smart. Um, <laughs> we have you have guys like you and and Dirk and Dan Staten, um, Joel Turner. Uh, yep. you know, and Jason Phelps, all, you guys, you guys have mastered this skill, this, this art form of elk hunting, uh, that, that a lot of people yearn to get. And, and it's, it, it comes from, you know, your experience, how you were raised, uh, what, what you're passionate about, what, what, uh, what drove you to get to the point in which you're at. Um, we're like, like me for, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I use me for a great example because I'm one of the most passionate least successful hunters you'll meet uh specifically with elk because i I was taught so wrong in the beginning you know and so i spent my 20s and and half of my 30s not knowing what the hell i was doing out there just trying to get lucky and i think that a lot of hunters are like that and what the elk collective does is it brings together all these different perspectives from people who have mastered this skill and and it's not you know like you said if if you don't want to hear one person or or but you want to hear another person you know kind of that there's that part of it but there's also the part like if you listen to everybody what you're doing is you're putting different tools in your toolbox from different perspectives that people that have these different perceptions as to how elk behave or maybe how they vocalize or maybe how you know what whatever aspect of elk hunting it may be like I love Dan Staten's perspective but I also love Joel Turner's perspective. I love Dirk Durham's perspective and Jason Phelps, you know, and your perspective. Like you're a freaking crazy good hunter. In fact, I'm going to tell you something, and we'll get back to the Elk Collective. John, I was I was going to have you on for uh, a School of September series, um, but I, I have an idea. I have if you're if you're up for it. I've had okay. tons of requests for like this a similar kind of episode, but for whitetail. And there's not oh. there's not a ton of like um, crazy good whitetail hunters out there that I could I could pick brand. There's like you and Troy Pottinger. That, those are the sure. only two I knew. No, so I was I was gonna ask you if you if you'd be willing to come back on for like a school of November for whitetail hunters. Oh yeah, uh, we, we could do that. You're you're up for it, right? Oh yeah, I, I love love elk. I love whitetail. I yeah, mean that, that's I know my you thing. Do. That that buck that I, I chased this year. I mean. Oh well, yeah, I chased them all last year, never killed them, and ended up killing them this year. But that year ended up tooth aging at seven and a half years old, and like killing oh, a big, gosh, yeah. big old mature, yeah, yeah, mountain buck. Like wow. it, yeah. So to me, it's more the challenge, yep. and yep. of than the kill. And so that's that's what I love about elk hunting too. Like to me, it's exactly. I just love the adventure to get there before. Like to me, the kill is like the bonus, the cherry on top. But it's like, get me through all the steps of the process that I have to struggle and suffer to get to that point mm-hmm. and like, let me overcome them all. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that to me is what I love about hunting in general. You know, it's like, there's so many pieces and struggles and 
you know, mindset that you got to just battle and deal with of, you know, Hey, this sucks. This is a grind, but it's like, no, like keep going, you know? And anyone that hunts with me knows that I don't like failure and I don't give up. Like that's, I think that, I think that a lot of people can learn from to include me. I think that that, where did I hear that? I just heard this recently, but like your most prof, um, profoundly efficient hunters are, are the ones that don't get give up. And, um, you, you know, there, I think that there's a lot of hunters like me who have this inner battle where it's, there's like this, you know, this, this, this battle going on inside your mind. Well, you know, I have, I have my, uh, my, my kids are doing this and my, my job is asking this of me and, and I, I need to worry about, you, you know, the mortgage or, or what, whatever's going on throughout most of the year. And so like hunting season might roll around. And for some of us, we get so beat up and, and, um, And again, I'm not coming at this from like an excuse level, but we have an inner battle of of our persistence may not be where it needs to be. And and I think that that's what I didn't realize. I'm talking seven, eight years ago. And so like these this inner battle, this struggle, this this uh, this voice inside my head would say, you need to get back home. Um, because the lawn needs to get mowed or, or the trash needs to get taken out kind of thing, stuff that's kind of, you know, it can actually wait. Uh, and I, what I, what I've learned from watching people like you and Dirk and Jason and, and Joel Turner and Lampers and all these, all these people that, that are so inspirational from that, from that standpoint is that I need to stop. I, I need to, I need to put a stop to that voice and that, that voice that, that, kills my persistence and and when i did that that's when tags started getting notched for me um it wasn't you know call this way or uh use this pack it was it was simply time put into and effort put into and miles put on my feet that started making the difference and i i I don't know joe uh john like if i ever would have gotten there without the influence of of people like you and, and like all the people I mentioned, and, and this sure. brings brings me back to the the Elk Collective and why I think um, I was telling you before we we started recording that um, I, I I've had access to to the Elk Collective for a couple of years uh, since it was brand new, right? Yep. Um, and I think that even I kind of downplayed the value that was in it in my own mind in terms of, well, you know, there's a video on there on how to quarter out an elk. I know how to quarter out an elk. I don't need to watch that. But it's the other stuff in between during that same exact video that you pick up on that you don't realize how that can apply to your own hunt. And so it's right. powerful as hell. And and that's, you know, you've got all these experts on and, and I've been promoting these different platforms for a long time, whether it's elk shape on its own, uh, whether it's like blue collar hunting, uh, elk hunting on its own, whether it's row hunting resources, whether it's Joel Turner stuff, um, wh- you know, all these different things that, that are out there and available, the elk nut. Uh, and what you guys do is you're like, you know what, screw it, let's bring it all into one platform. And it's all there. And it's like 150 vi- videos. And it's dude. It's almost that. It's over 160 something now. Is it? Is it really? Okay. Yep. So, yep. so uh, you need to quit posting new videos because I'm trying to catch up and finish them all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, no. but but you're right though. I mean, the the thing is, the in between, like, there's so much in there, and like we're adding more stuff, you know, 
I have two more videos here that I'm getting ready to add to it. Actually, uh, Jermaine Hodge, he's yeah, you know, Jer- dude, that's awesome. Yeah, and he, I mean, he teaches like Olympic wrestlers and stuff. Yeah, you know, like he's he's coming on the show, athlete. man. Yeah, yeah, he he's a, such a good, just good-hearted dude too. He and is. He is. He sent me a video the other day, and it's like an hour and a half long of him doing like a calling seminar, uh-huh. and he, I literally was working listen to it in the background the whole time. And I mean, I'm a student of the game. Like I love hearing like you, other people's perspectives. I, you know, could I go out and be an elk and probably kill one with what I already knew? Yeah, maybe. But it's like, I want to know as many things as I can from as many different avenues on my own, because that's just going to give me, maybe I'll pick something up that I'll put in my toolbox listening to Jermaine's video the other day, it was the way that he was talking, which he's a coach. He talks to athletes. He's got to convey something like he's got to teach them how to Mm -hmm. understand. And it was the way that he was talking in his video and talking to the people in the crowd as he's given this seminar. And I'm literally sitting there and I was like, Oh, that's a good way to put that. Like that clicked. And it was the way he was talking about like vocalizations between elk and he's like, we need to humanize it. And if this is what this means in the human world, and it was like the way that he said that. And I'm literally like, I, I looked at the time mark and I'm going to go back and listen to it again. Cause I was working, but it stuck and it clicked. And I'm like, there's a nugget that even myself just picked up from him listening to that. Yet people have already said this before a thousand times. Like I've heard this similar thing from other people. I already knew it myself. But it's listening to someone else say it and the way that he said it, and it stuck in my head. I, and so you're I, so right with that. Oh, sorry, I cut you off, dude. That, sorry. Yeah, that that's that's what we're after with that whole course. But there's so many things for real quick from the in between. You know, as far as we have how to get started. How do you get an elk tag? You know, do you apply in certain states? We've got scouting for certain states, like how to you know things to look for in how certain to states. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How to e-scout, how to get these tags, how to apply for the draws, uh, gear, you know, maybe you, you don't know a ton about gear or bows or backpacking, you know, whatever your intention is. Uh, you know, we kind of cover all that. Um, Joel Turner's shooting process stuff. So you understand the shot process to help you with your shooting. Maybe you have target panic. You know, we can have I that. say something about Joel? He yep. on on one of his videos, I think you guys posted it the other day. He talks about when you let off a bugle and how you stand there with your head tilted one way and then you slowly turn your head to figure out as as the elk responds, you are going to get a different perspective or or perception as to where that elk is located based on the way your head is turned and he's super that that's right. I mean, if, if that elk is in the bottom of a drainage and he's facing the other direction and you're hearing the echo coming from one way and you keep your head still, you're going to think the elk is one direction when in reality it's it's the other direction. And yeah. um, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. You guys do such a great job with it, man. I mean, there, there's so, there, it's such a wealth of information that that you pick up on on stuff like you know for example lampers will be talking and lampers is a real quiet subtle you know he just he just kind of delivers in a very quiet way in a very humble way there's something like super humble about that guy but all of a sudden he'll say something and it almost seems like it's under his breath but it strikes you 
And, and it's yep. like, boom, okay, that is what I needed to hear. You know what I mean? And 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 you'll get that from different per, uh, personalities that are that are within the Elk Collective. Yep, hundred percent. And I mean, we're we're working on adding more stuff. I really like to do a thing on long range shooting. Um, Jake over at Unknown Munitions, I talked to him a while ago. I'd love to get a reloading class on there just for people, you know, so that way they can learn that. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household. My dad shot long range competition for 30 years. So I understood oh, nice. all that. Oh, you know see, I, that's going to be super powerful for our October hunters. Yep. A hundred percent. And then archery bow builds, uh, you know, changing tune, strings, tuning your bows, that type of stuff. Nutrition, um, fitness, nutrition, fitness. The one, here's one thing that we've got feedback from a lot of people is the director's cuts. And it's at the oh, very yeah. end at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we did was we took Dirk, Jason, their hunt and broke down everything that was going on on that hunt. If they called in a bull, but they didn't shoot it or something went wrong and the calling setup or whatever it was. And we talk about it. What went wrong? Why didn't this work or why did it work? Yeah. And we've had so much feedback and people are like, Hey, give us more of those. And they love watching just that. So here's like, there's like four or five videos, maybe six. And we have a couple more. We're getting ready to upload of that section. Dude, I'll, send, a, I'll, I'll send you some of those, man. I'll, it, here's how you screw up your elk hunt by the Western <laughs> Huntsman. Perfect. Yeah. People will love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think that those are relatable because people get to see like a real life scenario of what just happened. Yeah. And then why or, did that work or didn't it work? And you know, you get to see it firsthand. And I mean, we've had people that are like, Hey, I had this scenario happen in the woods and what should I have done? And then they'll watch that. And then they'll be like, man, that's exactly what happened. And that's why like, Oh, that, yeah. I was so close to that. I should have done this or that. And heck, I mean, not, do we have success in the elk woods? Sure. But at the same time, is there a lot of screw ups? Yeah. I've been with Dirk I mean, we were in Idaho last year and we should have killed a bull, I don't know, second or third day. Dirk called in this bull right into his brother's lap. We never got a shot at it. And it was like 20 yards, like mm -hmm. just a big, nice six. It's happened and, to me a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Not we didn't get it. And it's like one of those things. You just look at the situation and it was like, dang, would I have killed it where I was standing? Yep. It was just in a bad spot. And, yep. you know, yep. and it just it's just a little mistake that he made and it just, it is what it is, but we all make mistakes and it's like, I've been there. I've not got shots. Heck I should have killed a really big bull here in Montana in archery season last year. I just screwed up. Yeah. I was, you know, just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. It's the name and of the game, but yeah, you hard. know, exactly. And, and you know what the elk collective does is, so, so last season, um, I called in three really good, well, one of them was really good. The other two were just okay bulls that I would have been super happy with. I screwed up all three of them, man. I didn't, I didn't notch a tag last year. And, and so, um, what would have been super interesting with that is so, well, how, how it, how it pertains to the Elk Collective is, you know, it took me all season to learn that, and I'm I'm like 41 years old, and I didn't know the things that I messed up. Um, I I I get it. The the one bull, the big one, is the one that I screwed up by drawing my bow, and it got caught in my camera on my shoulder strap, right? And so oh. so that sucked. He had a drop tine. 
uh, he was bitching, and I'm still bitching about not being able to kill him. And I, I'm sure my my listeners roll their eyes uh, because I say it every show. Uh, sorry, guys, I, I don't mean to bring it up, but I, I, obviously I'm still pretty <laughs> butthurt about it. Um, but it's the other two scenarios where, like, okay, we 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 got this bull. I got this bull called in, and he's coming in, and the, and the angle in which he's coming in, and uh, the way the draw is, or the or how thick the willows are, or or, the, or whatever brush is in my way, the the setup was all wrong. I'm 41 years old, and I'm just learning that. Where if you jump on the elk collective, that kind of stuff is covered, and it's covered very well. So that's what they're talking about when they discuss things like it shorten your learning curve. Uh, and I don't mean to make this like an elk collective ad. I, that's that's not the point. But I think it's super powerful, and a lot of people would really benefit by seeing those scenarios, like you said, and those those director cuts are money, man. That that's money because you're you're watching how in real time how these elk interact with the caller and and how they use the wind and directionally how they how they're using the terrain to come in into the shooter and and where it gets where the mistake is made and so when you're out there in September and you're in a similar situation and the bull's fired up and he's coming and he's blowing snot all over the place his eyes are rolled back uh, he's pissing all over himself and, and you realize oh crap if I'm here he's gonna come over there because I remember this and if I'm I'm here this is gonna be a bad position to be in so I need to shift left like 10 feet. Maybe get to get myself out of the sun and get myself into the shadow. Uh, and and those are the kind of things that make a, a world of difference. The things I'll never forget the bill or the bill, <laughs> Bill Clinton. The, I'll never yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget the bull that I didn't get the opportunity to shoot because I was drawn back in the sunlight and he came out and saw me and immediately turned around and and went the other way. Where if I would have been two feet over into the shadow, he wouldn't have saw me and I would have been notching a tag on that bull. That's the kind of stuff that you get out of the Elk Collective, and I don't think you guys charge enough for it, dude. Yeah, I mean, we've had some people that have told us, like, hey, you have it too cheap. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, here, here was our thing. We wanted it to be as affordable as we could for the mass majority of people, understanding that some people can't pay two, $300 for, you know, education, mm-hmm. even though they should. Like, people go to school, to college, to trade schools, to all these other places and pay big amounts of money to get an education. That's what we're doing. That's what they do. They've compiled all this information and they're teaching it to you in a course, you know, throughout a quarter at school. We have done the same thing. We, except we also have all this real world experience and we've just compiled it and we're like, hey, here's everything you need to know if you want to hunt elk. Here you go. And we're yeah. still adding more. Yeah. But yes, could we charge more money? We could, but we want it to be affordable. We have it 89 bucks for a year. And we also have a monthly plan that's $10 a month. And if you don't want to pay the 89 up front. Um, but, but wait, but wait, but there's wait. more. There, Yeah, there is if, more. We, if you use the Western Huntsman. You can save yourself code. some money. Yeah, How right? much? Um, 20 bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. That's right. Yep. 20 bucks. Yep. So the yeah, Western you can Huntsman. actually get, get this course for 69 <laughs> bucks if you use the Western Huntsman code. Um, and let's and, just be clear, John, right now that there are no other promo codes out there that are as cool and legitimate as the Western Huntsman, right? I mean, you can, you can admit that right now. 
Like, yeah, don't, 100%. Don't, don't use Dan Staten's promo code, right? No. Who would use that? Nobody would use that. No He's going to run you ragged, man, and make you starve. And yep. it, like, like my promo code doesn't ask anything. Nope. It okay. just says, I appreciate hey, that. sign up. I appreciate uh, that, bro. Yeah. And kill some elk. So, um, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the the use the Western Huntsman code. Save yourself 20 bucks. You're going to get $69 access to the course, and you will have a year's worth of access. Yeah. Um, there is so much content. I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to describe. You just have to go in and start watching these videos. And you will pick something up from somebody along the way. I don't care who it is. You will find something in there. Even if you think that you're a know-it-all, I don't care. You will find something in that course. And I think here is a big key. We're sitting here talking about this course. I almost feel like the people that are successful, really successful year after year, I look like to me, like I look at Lampers or, you know, Phelps, Dirk, like we all hunt together, you know, or Phelps and Dirk and I have haven't kind of with Lampers, Lampers, but it's like hunting with those guys. Like people look up to them and like, man, you guys are all killers. And, you know, that's cool to me. Like I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that is one thing we will literally sit there and retrain ourselves every year. We'll watch elk content, elk videos, see what the elk are doing or reacting in a certain video, like our own director's cut type thing. Like we are always learning. And I think that that is one thing. It's like the schooling never stops. And so it's like, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's like how much can you pick up on in the off season, and maybe it's looking at Onyx maps. Like pick something that you really want to be good at, and it's like, you know, next year what am I going to take to the woods that I didn't know the year before that I can yeah. really excel yes. in? And so, to me, like I'm always, always watching videos in the morning, the evening. Kylie probably gets sick of it here in Elk Bugle, and I'm laying in the bed, you know. But it's like. <laughs> I just like, I want to learn and I have this like desire to absorb as much information as I can. And I, I truly believe if you are like, it's like a professional baseball player, football player, no, I don't care. An athlete in general, we might not have to be athletes to hunt. There are some out there, Dan, he's in Cameron Haynes, you know, yeah, like super good shape. Dan is probably in my personal life, um, the most physical athlete i have ever personally met in my in my life and i was in the marines man that that dude is a freaking animal he he is he's a freak of nature him and cameron haynes both yeah yeah yeah, seriously man like like, i have so much that shit (laughs) yeah yeah who i don't yeah i don't know i mean to me my pendleton whiskey sounds really good not going on an eight mile run but um (laughs) so i mean you know but it's like i have so much respect for what they do but mm-hmm. it's like yep. every single one of us never stops learning. And well, I think that how, that is a key. I, I want to chime in on that because that, that is a what you made there. Again, guys I, listening, I, I don't mean to make this. I'm not trying to make this like a big commercial or anything. But what, what we are, we're, we're not trying to impress you with one thing. We're, we're trying to impress upon you that it is – for and and you're you're listening to a dude that spent so many years in the elk woods totally messing it up. I mean, I was clueless. And and the thing is is I thought that I knew more. And so 
that I think is is one of the big hurdles we get, and I just talked about this with my buddy uh, Joe Condellis over at the Western Bear Foundation uh, on last oh, week's yeah. episode. Um, we we talked about this is a lot of the things that get in our way as hunters are um, our own egos and our own. You know, and I was I was guilty of this, uh, John. I I was super guilty of this, where I thought I was just the shit when it came to hunting, and come to find out, yeah, you know, I'm just not. I wasn't, not even close. Like I, my, you know, I just I just wasn't. And so my point is, is to to folks that that listen to that kind of stuff and 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 kind of absorb that content, yeah, you, you know, t- we were talking about Dan Staten. Uh, the dude is a freaking animal. Does that mean you need to be a, an animal like Dan Staten to get out there in the woods? You, you don't need to be, but I tell you what, if you listen to Dan Staten and and you absorb 10%, a measly 10% of what somebody like Dan Staten talks about when it comes to fitness and nutrition and, and taking care of yourself, you are going to magnify your lethality in the elk woods by tenfold. Just by improving 10%, taking taking 10% of, of somebody like Dan Staten, and applying that, um, you, you know, second guessing yourself when you're when you're in like a, as we're working up towards elk season and you're in the McDonald's line to go through the drive-through, uh, and you get Dan Staten's voice in your head, maybe you'll pull out of there. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff because I I am not one. Um, I, that's the biggest thing when I started this show is I didn't want anybody to ever think that like I'm some, you know, uh, highly successful hunter that everybody should look up to. Cause I am not. And that's why I started the show is because I felt like that I was so dumb and so unsuccessful when it comes to hunting that I could ask the right questions that other people that are like me could, could learn from because I'm dumber than they are even. And so it's, it's a great way and it's a great formula to be able to ask the right questions. And, and I guess that things like the elk collective are going to prevent, like, let's say you're 20 years old listening to this and, and, um, you've still got a long elk hunting career ahead of you. Um, I want you to be better than I was at 20 years old when I thought I was the shit and I knew everything and, and I went out there and I failed and I failed and I failed and I failed because my ego got in the way. And this is what we're talking about with, with, I think that hunters, especially, uh, some of us that have some, um, years behind us, uh, if, if we could, if we could level off that ego and just listen to other people that, that have mastered this skill in a legitimate way, like take a look in the mirror Really look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, have I mastered elk hunting? Because I guarantee you, if you're like me, who's had some success, but not like John Gabriel's success or Dirk Durham's success or or, uh, Dan Staten's success, I, I am not a successful elk hunter like I thought I was. I was a guy that got lucky every once in a while. And, and that's what we want to, that's what we're building upon here. We don't want to be lucky every once in a while. We want you to be successful. Um, yeah. See, so you you hit the nail on the head right there, hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. It to me, man. If if I would, if I was able to take myself back to when I was twenty, oh my and gosh. I was already I was already hunting now. I would be I'd, a killer by now. Oh shit! Like <laughs> I had already killed. I you know I killed a bull with my bow at. 16 years old and like you know like i was already 
you know, shit, I'm under in 15. I don't know. I, I was, I was already moving forward. Like I was already, I didn't, already killed a I never elk. did. I never killed an elk as a teenager, man. So you're, you're ahead of me by far. Yeah. Well, that, but I, there's a thing, like maybe it was luck. Right. But it's like, I got a couple. And so to me though, I wish I could go back and literally understand the situation of like what went right. Cause then I went through a few years yeah. like where I didn't kill and then it took a while. And then it was like, oh, then all of a sudden it clicked. And then it was like kind of in my 20s. And then I'm like, oh, you know, mid-20s. And then shit really started clicking. But it was yeah. like if, if I could go back and take away some of that ego and take away the, oh, I know what I'm doing and all of that and just learn and listen. And if I had tools, because back then there wasn't tools like the Elk Collective. Like there, there was no. Mag, Eastman's, Eastman's Hunting Journal. And, there was VHSs. You know, a few, <laughs> yeah, exactly. VHS is for, for me. And, I, I don't know how old you are, but yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I'll be uh, the 34, so 35 this year. So, dude, see um, that that right there tells me right there. Like, uh, I'll tell you, man. I I am like I'm way older than you, but I way I, older. Seriously, I'm I'm way old. I'm 41, dude. Yeah, six uh, like, years. I'll be there in no time. <laughs> but I really look up to you, John, and I I really look at you as like you're you're the kind of hunter I aspire to be. And when I was 20, I wouldn't have had that mentality. I'd have been like, if if I'm six years older than you, and I'm 20 years old, and you're what 14 or something, I'd have been like, ah, bitch, I'm I'm 20 years old. You, you know, you don't know anything compared to me. <laughs> where where now it's like I you have to look at things from a realistic perspective. And, and understand that, you know, this guy might be younger than me and, and, you know, might be substantially younger than me. And but yet I could learn so much from this guy. And I, I, I've met hunters and, and we all know that hunter out there. We all know him. He's the dude that tells you all these stories about how close he came or, or, you know, back in the day, how many animals he notched a tag on and he's got all the tips and all the advice and all this stuff, but yet he never has anything to show for it because you know what? He's full of shit. He's mm-hmm. full of shit. And that is, we all know that guy, right? Yeah. Or, or gal. Well, actually I, I have a tendency to believe that men are more full of shit than women will ever be. And so yep. we all know that guy, you know, Uncle Tom or whatever you want to call him. But they're the ones that don't ever notch a tag, but they have the biggest opinions about how you should do it. And and that's uh, – I've been guilty of that, but I learned a long time ago that that is – it's so inappropriate and it's not the right way to be. And the right way to be is like for me, I'm, I'm – I'm a 41-year-old dude with gray hair in my beard. Um, when I got a question about elk or whitetail, I called John, who's like almost a decade younger than me, because he knows. <laughs> he knows. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll say it's I, – I wish I could go back, you know, like we're talking about, and even just learn more at a, at a younger age, you know, and, and have applied that stuff. I think one thing that – and I'm not, this might not happen for everybody like this scenario, but it's like with Kylie, she, you know, the last four years, like, you know, being able to hunt together and everything and she's killed some stuff and she's learned so much, you know, in, in this time frame, And it's been awesome to watch her grow and become a better hunter. Oh, and, awesome. you know, but I think the one thing that's happened for me is stopping and stepping back and trying to put myself in her shoes. Cause I'm like, I'll be out there sometimes 
And whether we're at the gun range, the bow range, or like if we're in the woods in a certain scenario and like an elk's coming in and I'm like, get right there. Like what, you know, or she doesn't move. And I'm like, why, why did you not go to that tree? And I'll catch myself. Like she should know this shit. But then I'm like, oh, she doesn't. And so, you know, and it's weird because in my mind, I'm like thinking so fast of like, hey, this is what needs to happen get here make it happen boom dead and then when it doesn't and i'm like why why did we miss that like what went wrong and so i think the best the best thing for me that's happened over the last four years is hunting with her because now i've had those moments of hold on slow down why didn't this work teach her but wait what did you learn yeah and then i'll like reflect on the situation and be like okay so this 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 that you know and then i'll start piecing this stuff together and i swear it's like almost helped me further my hunting by helping her that doesn't know as much because Mm -hmm. i'm like learning off of stuff that she's doing that i'm like oh shit like that should have worked but this and then it's like another feather in my cap and then when we go out and then all of a sudden we'll apply that and then boom it works you know yeah yeah exactly yeah it's I almost think to some extent, I know a lot of people are still trying to learn and like be successful and this and that, but it's like, take where you're at now and like go backwards, like go find someone who's like that, like inexperienced or like less experienced hunter and go hunt with them on a hunt. And you're going to start picking up on stuff and like, think about, Oh, we should have done this or that. Now, how can I help them? But at the same time, like, that's going to help me. Yes. And so, I, yep. We've talked about that very thing many yeah. times. Yep. yep. I think that that is so powerful. And like, I'll be honest, like I love hunting with her and like this year in Montana, like I can't wait to go out and hunt with her because I just feel that, you know, it's like, we're going to have an awesome time together, but mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to keep learning, you know? Yeah. And like that, that's what I'm like looking forward to personally is okay, cool. Like what, what can I pick up on? What are we going to do? How are we going to fill these tags and do it together, you know? And so there's so much. Yeah, there's so much to be said about that, John. I, I mean, yeah. I, you know, my, my daughters, they're they're now 11 and 13. Um, I, I have learned more from teaching them and like my cousin, Andrew, um, I, I've learned more from from experiencing hunting from like a beginner's uh, viewpoint than I ever did on my own with my big fat ego that I used to have. Uh, and, and you know, I have, I have this great example. My, my, my friend, and he's actually been on the show, uh, but Mike Bozarth. So he's older than the Bible and he's, he's been hunting for a long time. I remember one time he sent me this, this message on like Instagram or Facebook or something asking, asking some hunting question. And I'm like, dude, I should be asking you that. You're the one. You tag a hell of a lot more animals than I do. And the the guy is a legitimate hunter. He's a great hunter, and he's he's been there and he's done that. And but but his attitude is he's so open to learning. He's so you know and and like I said, I if I'm 41 and I say he's older than the Bible, you know he's a lot older than me, right? But the dude <laughs> yeah. still gets out there. He's in better shape than a lot of 20-year-olds are, 
and and he he's he's putting these tags on these animals that he's just an amazing guy and he's inspirational in that aspect that he just doesn't stop learning that's what he wants to do so anyway man i don't mean to hammer this whole this whole thing home but i i just i'm super passionate about uh the learning aspect aspect i'm sorry uh and, and the you know the leveling off of egos and and taking advantage of things like the elk collective because it's so powerful it's such a it's a game changer in in the pers- or in the aspect of if you've if you've been one of those people that have been out there and uh, maybe you've notched a tag or two on an elk uh, or maybe you've done it consistently for five years in a row or maybe you've been trying for 10 years and have never done it uh, what you will get out of the elk collective is going to be the same in terms of value and so I, I if it's 89 bucks uh, promo code the Western Huntsman puts it at sixty nine dollars. By the way, Joe, yep. John, <laughs> I called <Yep>. you Joe. <laughs> Joe, I know Joe. I work on all Joe Condellis's Western Bear stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that that, that yeah. makes sense. I was I was thinking of Joe Condellis. And uh, um, anyway, the point is, guys, seriously, get out. This is we're recording this as of the the date of this recording. We're like April twenty first. Yep, I believe. Um, and that gives us what May, June, July, August, four months until the opening day of September archery season, five months for you, October hunter hunters, six months for you, uh, late season, November hunters, uh, the elk collective will make a big difference. And, and I just think people should take that into, um, account and, and seriously, I mean, 69 bucks after you use the promo code, give me a break. Yeah. I spent and, and that, let me yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you buy go out to dinner once now, and you're spending sixty nine bucks. Oh, dude, when um, I take my family out, it's a hundred and thirty anymore. Come on, yeah. I, I, you can't even buy. You can't. Oh, here's a good way to put it. You can't even buy a four by eight um, sheet of actual CDX plywood for sixty nine <laughs> bucks anymore. Give me a break. True. Go get the Yale Collective. I, yeah, I just went through that. I just built an office and a gun room in my shop. Um, but yeah, so. Like I, I will agree with that. And here, here's the one thing I'm going to tell anyone that's interested in it is you literally are not going to even have enough time between now and September yes. to watch all those videos. True. So true story. Like you have to get it now or you could get it whenever, but just start watching a video a day, whether you're at work on your lunch break or you don't want the boss to see you, but you're over here playing a video on the corner of your computer or whatever you're doing one video a day and you're going to just start pecking them off and you don't, and we have all the sections broken down and labeled in there. So you can kind of see like, maybe you want to learn about spot and stock tactics or calling or whatever you can go in and, and figure out what you want to watch, Yeah. but just pick one day. That's it. And if you think how many days till we get to September, you got four months. What is that? 160 days yeah. or no, 120, no, 120, I think. Yeah. 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 And there's 160 something videos. So that means even if you watched one a day, you're not even going to get all the way through it. So knock a few I'm out on you, a long weekend. And yeah, there, there is so much content. We'll just leave it at that. Like people are going to learn. It's going to make you a better hunter by the time September comes. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Bottom line. For less than a sheet of CDX plywood. In fact, I, th- I think it's even cheaper than a, uh, a sheet of uh, half-inch OSB plywood. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great deal. Um, if you work in like an office setting, put your earbuds in and and look at your phone and watch the videos, and every once in a while nod, like you're on the phone with a customer or something, and your boss will think you're working. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's important to point out, like some of the videos are like five minutes. Some of them are 20 minutes. You know, they're all over the place. So anyway, yeah, some are an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of, some of them are an hour. So, um, well, John, dude, this has been a fun conversation, man. Um, I really appreciate you joining me on this episode because I, I think we got, uh, we got a lot of ground covered and hopefully convinced a few people to, to jump on the Elk Collective. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only, Hey. It's just knowledge, and if if you don't want the knowledge to put in your pocket when you go out in the Elkwoods, that's that's your deal. I'll never fault someone for that, but if you just want another feather in your cap to take out there to maybe try and notch your tag, that that's it. Like yeah. I'm I'm all about having more resources at my fingertips and anything that I can do to go out and. I mean, hey, think about it. We're spending so much money right now on gas prices this year just to go hunting. I don't want to come home with an empty freezer or empty tag and fill, yeah. not fill my freezer. I'm telling you that. Yeah, and so sure. it's like, I want to put everything I can in my favor that when I leave home, I'm coming back with a notch tag. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. Great point, man. Uh, yep. the elk is where you can find it. Uh, Absolutely. and, and don't forget to, to kind of, Again, go to go to Instagram and check out at John Gabrio, which is G A B R I O, uh, and we can watch for that video made by Leupold coming out uh, this summer of that elk that uh, John got. It's it's a great elk, um, and and yeah, I mean guys, if you if 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 you love the show, if you like the show, if you hate the show, uh, please support the show. I don't care if you hate it, you got to support it, right? Um, That's right. So uh, jump on the Elk Collective, use promo code the Western Huntsman for twenty bucks off, uh, because they they'll actually give me a cut of that. That's the only promo code we have where I actually get a cut of it, and I've got some uh, you know diapers to buy or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, All my kids are growing up. I'm just <laughs> my youngest maybe, maybe. is eleven. <laughs> yeah, you need. Hey, who knows though, Dirk? Like we joked about buying him depends one year. He so, does, I mean, dude. He's getting to that age, so we are supporting Dirk. We're gonna get him some depends. Yep. Um, and help him out because he's getting up there. So poor guy. Um, yep. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for thanks a bunch for coming on, man. That was a fun conversation. And again, while we're still recording, I just kind of want to get your, uh, you know, commitment. That you'll come on for our School of November Whitetail series uh, and do another episode later on this summer. Yeah, let's make that happen. I would love to uh, talk Whitetail. Sweet. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you, man. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.